The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood, from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist, also known as ANS. We are located in our main office at 310 Madison Avenue in Morristown, New Jersey, with six offices throughout the state. Our newest offices are located in Teaneck, New Jersey, at the Glen Point Atrium Center, and our newest one is in Jefferson, New Jersey. We moved our Sparta location to Jefferson, New Jersey. Visit our website at www.ansdocs.com. Again, that's www.ansdocs.com. To visit our website, learn about all the new changes at ANS as well as our new offices. Um, we also have our patient portal, so register there um, to look at your medical records and get your results and just to find out a lot of uh, medical information about you and your visit. Also, you can get a lot of education from our educational uh, area on that site, so do visit that site. Also, always remember to visit the AnswersLiveNJ.com site. Again, that's AnswersLive. NJ.com. Every show that I do here, as you know, is posted on that website, usually around two weeks after we uh, air it live. And you can listen to those shows over and over again if you miss something during the live broadcast. So again, welcome everyone to the show today. Um, as always, I listen to your requests, and I've had some requests again to do another show on breast cancer. As we all know, this is something that really hits hard. Um, and unfortunately, it's pretty prevalent in our population. So I looked for the experts in the area, and I found uh, Dr. Michelle Azu. She is the director of breast surgery at Chilton Hospital, uh, which is located in Pompton Plains. They are now part of Atlantic Health System. So their website would be www.chiltonhealth.org. Again, it's www.chiltonhealth.org. Go on that website, look for anything with breast center, breast health, and that will direct you to where you need to go. To reach uh, Dr. Azu directly for her office, it's 973-831-5056. Again, that's 973-831-5056. I will give you all that information again later in the show. So let's get down to the topic. It's a big, intense topic, so I want to get started. Good morning, Dr. Azu. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I've done breast cancer probably around a year and a half, two years ago, and it was a very well-listened-to show. We got a lot of good questions, but things are changing so much with breast cancer. We hear so many different things um, moving about genetics and, and breast cancer risks and who's at risk. So I really want to get into into the topic itself. But before we start, let our listeners know just a little bit about you, your educational background, and your practice. Great. Thanks again, Tom, for having me. You're welcome. Um, I've been at Chilton for approximately three years, and I'm a fellowship-trained breast surgeon. I trained at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, New York. Prior to that, I was a general surgery trainee at Stony Brook on Long Island for five years, so long training to become a surgeon. But you know, I specialized in breast surgery specifically because I liked women's health, and the combination with that and surgery just fit for me. Women's health is very important, and breast cancer care is 
you know, critical for, for, for wellness and, um, you know, breast cancer is very common and a lot of patients can relate to it. Right. Um, as we listen uh, on, on the news, we hear mostly about stars and very famous people with breast cancer. But of course, uh, me being in medicine and you also, uh, the prevalence of breast cancer is scary. Um, and it seems to be affecting younger women. I think younger women feel that they're not at risk uh, for it. Um, they'll always say, oh, no one in my family has had it. So that's really what I want to talk to you about. And I think probably the best question to ask you is how does someone assess their risk for breast cancer? There's several factors we look for when a woman comes to our office. You know, a major factor is family history, you know, okay. very, very important. So first degree relatives are the most significant. So your mother, your sister, your daughter, even a brother or a father, you know, quite frankly, breast cancers, some of them can be inherited. Very few are inherited, but it's possible. And so those sort of family relationships are what we're looking for. Other risk factors are our age, uh, when you first started having periods, when menopause came, how many children you've had, um, how many breast biopsies you've ever had, are your breasts dense? These are all factors that play into your lifetime exposure to estrogen. Okay. Um, and then also just risk factors, again, like family history. You know, if you have a similar family environment, then you may be at higher risk because if your mother or your sister had a breast cancer, you might as well. Certainly... As I said before, many women who have breast cancer do not have an inherited form of it. So although we, we think about that, most women don't necessarily have a very, very strong family history, and that's why every woman needs to care. Right. Um, just to clarify for me, um, is it a genetic uh, trait? I mean, um, um, I heard in some, um, uh, I guess, groupings of people, it's a little bit more uh, prevalent in them. Is that a genetic thing or...? Well, one in eight women will get breast cancer in this country. So that's pretty common. That's about 12% of the U.S. population of women. And if I take 100 women with breast cancer and put them in a room, five of them, maybe even 10, have a gene that was passed on from a family member. Okay. So those genes have names like BRCA mutation, like the breast cancer gene mutation one or, or two. So BRCA one or BRCA two are the most common genes, but there are many, many others that have been discovered over the last several years. So if a woman has that gene in her family, it means that it can be passed on to her. And if she develops one of those genes, she's highly likely to get breast cancer. So 50% or higher likelihood of getting breast cancer. That's why one of the, the um, more common celebrities people talk about often is Angelina Jolie, right. because she came out and, and stated that she did a risk-reducing mastectomy because she had a gene that her mother passed on to her. She also removed her ovaries because with these genes, you have a very high risk of ovarian cancer and breast cancer. Well, the the treatment that she pursued was actually something we'd recommend to surgeons, believe it or not. So a lot of times patients wonder, do I need to remove both my breasts or not? But, you know, she had such a very high likelihood of getting breast cancer in the future that we actually would support her removing both of her breasts. But most women don't have her story. Most women don't have a gene in their family that was passed on. Certainly your GYN would be assessing for that or breast surgeon or any breast specialist you see is often thinking about your family history and information you may give us that makes us say, hmm, actually think you may have a gene in your family, you should be tested. So that's what I was going to ask you. So say a, a younger woman, um, I know for males when we're supposed to start getting regular checkups for, for a woman, when is it, um, what's the youngest age they should start? I have a daughter myself to, there should start breast exams, first of all, at what age? 
So anytime, if you're seeing GYN for your regular annual visits, right. uh, that GYN usually is doing a breast exam along with those visits. So whether or not your daughter or a wife starts having GYN exams at 20 or, or 18, you know, the breast exam is typically part of it. Um, I'll tell you, the thing that's been confusing for patients and for providers is that recently a lot of the data and guidelines are changing in terms of what we actually recommend. You know, so traditionally we've always recommended a baseline mammogram between the age of 35 and 40 and then 40 uh, and thereafter annually. But just today, actually, the American Cancer Society came out with some modifications to guidelines suggesting that we don't need to start screening uh, at that early of an age anymore. So there's a lot to think about. Uh, what I tell you is I, my guess is a lot of patients will have questions about these newer guidelines uh, suggesting that we don't have to start as early. And there probably will be somewhat of an uproar because a lot of us, you know, myself included, feel like an annual mammogram is not that, not that hard. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not that big a deal. And it's covered by insurance. And if you don't have insurance, it's a reasonably priced examination. Uh, and there certainly are some programs that will help cover it if a woman does not have insurance. But to us, it's just no big deal to do it. You know, so I still believe in mammograms, you know, that baseline between 35 and 40 and then every year thereafter. And then in the, the women who are in more senior age groups, that's also a really curious question. When do you stop getting mammograms? So there's no perfect age is what I tell my patients. Right. I think if you're healthy enough to walk to my office, an annual mammogram that can find a tumor that's very small and we have lots of options is better than coming with a tumor that's very big and now we're limited with options and she may not tolerate procedures as, as well with her right. age group. What is the new guideline stating then? When do they want you to have your first mammogram? They're suggesting that you can start in your 50s, in oh your mid-50s. And so I will... Um, well, for me, that's kind of scary. Only And again, uh, I'm medical, but I'm an RT, so I'm not... Uh, anything like a, a physician, but um, I guess during their exam, when they first come meet you, you do a huge history on them. So that's where you would ascertain if they had a family history, um, if there's a strong family history for it. But what are those ones that don't have a family history and they're 28 years old and they're just the one that unfortunately has breast cancer, they're going to wait to their 50, which means by the time that happens, they already have stage four breast cancer. So that's, again... That's the fear. Uh, that's my you know? fear, and I'm just you know a guy kind of just asking you questions. But I've been in medicine for so long, so that is kind of a scary thing. But I guess they know what they're doing with these studies. You know, I, I think a lot of times the guidelines are going to be what the largest. Um, I suppose guidelines are really based on large populations of people, right? But they can't individualize. You know, so so what I'd say to you is a guidelines important, and we certainly follow guidelines in medicine. However. You always have to tailor your recommendations to the person sitting in front of you because yeah. a guideline can't apply to, to an individual necessarily. So um, for me, like I said, I don't think screening mammograms are such a challenge. And, and really, if you're, if you're that woman who gets a breast cancer, you you would have wanted to know as early as you could. So Any you, cancer, right? The sooner you know, the, the better. better survival Absolutely. rates with that. Um, just to scale back uh, or kind of revisit the question you asked me about what the, the U.S., um, American Cancer Society is not suggesting. I have, you know, this is hot off the press. Hot off the press. There's more information I need to get about it. But from what I understand, 
they're recommending women start at the age of 45 as opposed to 40. Hmm. You know, um, even though I said usually we recommend a baseline between 35 and 40, traditionally it's always been 40 as the first mammogram for most women. But a lot of us who do this for a living say, you know what, get a baseline between 35 and 40 um, just so you've got something we can compare your mammogram to when you are 40 years old. But 40 has usually been the cutoff. Now the ACS, or American Cancer Society, is saying 45. And then they're also suggesting that women who are 55 and older consider every other year screening as opposed to annual screening. So those are really huge changes. changes. Um, But always, again, those are guidelines. So if you have a family history or there's something unique about your situation, you would want to review that with your GYN or your breast specialist. And I personally, I will not implement these guidelines quite yet. You know, I still, as I said- Studies have to come out. Annual is- And if someone still wanted to have their um, uh, uh, mammogram at 35, insurance would still cover it as far as we know. As far as Um, we know. Still. Exactly. As Um, far as I know. You know, for all the listeners, with any of these studies that come out, uh, it's just just came out. So again, um, everyone's not well versed on it. They have to kind of look into it, check out the more studies. But that's just some information hot off the press for you. Um, But I guess right now we'll maintain what Dr. Azu is going to let us know about what her belief is with screenings and still around 35 to 40. Um, your first mammogram, and then I guess we'll take it from there on an individual basis with their own physicians. Um, Does a diagnosis of breast cancer automatically mean that uh, breast removal? So that's a great question because oftentimes women who develop a breast cancer wonder if my best surgery is the bigger surgery, removing more, seems like that would be better um, logically. That just seems like it would make a lot of sense. But in our offices as breast surgeons, we spend a lot of time focusing on what options a woman may have because um, just like what I was suggesting with Angelina Jolie where she had a she has a gene abnormality in her family and we would recommend she removes both her breasts because that is the medical recommendation for women in those those circumstances with gene abnormalities. Most women don't have her story. Right. Don't most women don't have a gene. And so most women, if they have a small breast cancer, actually have two options. One's mastectomy, the other's lumpectomy. If she goes the lumpectomy route, we traditionally recommend radiation to be coupled with that lumpectomy at some point down the road after surgery, she should get radiation to the the breast. Um, Most women who have mastectomy don't need radiation afterwards, but some will. So so no, not, not every woman needs to have a mastectomy. In fact, most don't need to have it. You know, some do need to, like a gene mutation carrier, or if someone has multiple cancers in one breast, that's another indication. We call that multicentric breast cancer. When you've got multiple areas involved of the breast, well, then a mastectomy would be indicated. But truly, most women have the option for smaller surgery right. with equivalent outcomes, by the way. So it's not that doing the bigger surgery means she will do even better than someone who chose a smaller surgery. Fortunately, the data from the mid-1970s that's been updated every 10 years or so has shown us very clearly that most women with a a treatable, operable breast cancer that's small will have the option of both of those two surgeries, and the outcomes are the same, meaning meaning the survival is the same. And so you do have two great options for women, for for most women, which is a really wonderful thing. Right. Um, 
just from my, my limited knowledge, uh, just being in medicine for 20 years, but it's limited with cancer, there's different types of cancers. For lung cancers, there's different cells and, and so on and so forth. With breast cancer, um, are there different types of cells and breast cancers um, that there is? Um, don't answer that yet. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to answer about different types of breast cancer. There's a unique place in New Jersey that more and more people are discovering. A pioneer in healthcare, leading the way with programs like their nationally recognized spine center, skull base surgery center, and their brain tumor center. That place is Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, ANS. Improving lives with exceptional neurosurgical services, medical firsts, and one-of-a-kind programs. ANS, home to New Jersey's largest group of world-renowned fellow trained neurosurgeons offering advanced treatment options. ANS, a leader in stroke care with a success rate greater than the national average. Among the first in the country to use stent trievers, allowing surgeons to immediately restore blood flow to the brain. ANS, the leaders in spine care, using the latest minimally invasive techniques for spine surgery that actually reduce recovery time from weeks to days. ANS, restoring hope and helping patients regain their lifestyles. And it's all happening right here in New Jersey. For more information, go to ansdocs.com or call 973-285-7800. Welcome back to Answers Live. I'm your host, Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. To reach us there at ANS, it's 973-285-7800. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey. And again, we're bringing you another health education show here on Answers Live with Dr. Michelle Azu. Uh, welcome back, Dr. Azu. We're speaking about breast cancer, and before we left on the break, I asked you, are there different types of breast cancer? There are different types of breast cancer. The most common type is something called invasive ductal. And so if you think of your breast almost like a tube in many ways, and at the end of a tube you have um, some pouches of structures we call lobules. Well, the most common type of breast cancer is the ductal type, and the milk ducts are designed to eject milk, and that's you know their primary function, but they also can make cancers. So sometimes the, the lining of that tube can make uh, more cells, that would be an over-proliferation, and then the more cells that over-proliferate or, or grow can develop breast cancer cells, and those cells can break outside of the walls of that tube, and when that happens, that's invasive ductal carcinoma, right. which is the most common type. Most women will do great, believe it or not. So, you know, breast cancer is very scary. There's no question. What I'll tell you is that the negative stories certainly will stick out in our minds more than the positive ones. But, you know, most women with breast cancer will survive in the overwhelming majority, not just a little bit. I mean, by and large, women right. do great and they survive with no, no trouble. So you also can develop breast cancer in the lobules, so those structures I said that are at the end of a milk duct. And that's a little less common. We certainly see it. And the treatment is really the same between the two types. Lobular breast cancer is more difficult to detect because its growth pattern is a little bit trickier. Um, but again, treatment is similar to a ductal type. And then there are some other more rare types of breast cancers that we don't see as often, but certainly... You know, if you if you polled women with breast cancer, most of them would say they had the, the ductal type. Okay. Uh, that clarifies that. Um, I want to ask you real quick, too, um, who is at the highest risk for breast cancer? So, you know, it, what's interesting is we certainly see that there are definitely racial and ethnic differences in breast cancer in our in our country. And so it's important to to share that because not every woman knows that there are differences with breast right. cancer risk. So Caucasian women have the most 
um, uh, the highest amount of breast cancer, so the highest incidence of breast cancer, particularly in the postmenopausal groups, some women who have stopped having periods. But we see a, a very high incidence of breast cancer in premenopausal women who are African American. And so that's been a concern over the you know, past several, several you know, decades trying to understand this better. In women who are African American also tend to have more aggressive forms of breast cancer. So, you know, yes, there's a lower incidence overall of breast cancer in African Americans, higher in the premenopausal group. And the mortality rate or the death rate is higher in African Americans. So that's that's research that's ongoing and um, ever evolving. Asian women in general tend to have lower risk of breast cancer, and Hispanic women, you know, the data is a little um, varied. Do tend to have a lower incidence of breast cancer, but the outcomes aren't as 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 good. Right. And so there's, there are a lot of factors that can contribute to this. Some is biology, um, or some of the factors are biology, and some of the factors are socioeconomic. But, you know, as time progresses, we're, we're putting these pieces together and trying to figure it out. Right. Uh, that's very interesting. I, I know with different ethnicities and backgrounds, it is um, interesting how that is, and I'm glad they're doing studies on that. For those listening now, and I'm sure their minds are racing, and um, let's talk a little bit about um, a dense breast. Um, you we were talking on the break, and you said a lot of people have questions. What is a dense breast? It's a great question, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of a lot of patients are confused about this um, because for a long time we weren't even commenting on it on reports, and then. More recently, over the past couple of years, you will notice as a woman that your mammogram report now comments on your breast density, and I didn't before. And the reason that legislation occurred is because women who have denser breasts have a higher risk of breast cancer. Um, denser breasts are more likely to, to hide a problem. You can't right. see as well through a dense breast. So to explain it a little bit more clearly, think of the breast tissue, the ideal breast really is a fatty breast. And that's because if fatty tissue, you can penetrate very well with a mammogram. So meaning you can see through it pretty well. Think of it like jello. You can see through jello. It's pretty clear. If you had a marble sitting in the middle of jello, you would see a marble in it. But if you had a cloudy, you know, cloudy water, right. cloudy jello, you couldn't see a marble as well through it. And it's the same concept. So the, the, um, you know, radiation can't penetrate that breast as, as easily. And that's why we comment on, on dense breasts, because if you are a dense breast, we need to do more imaging on you to try to account for the fact that the mammogram may not be able to detect problems as easily. Right. Do you still need a mammogram? Yes. Often the question I'm asked, yes, you need a mammogram. Mammograms are an excellent screening tool, and they can see problems that an ultrasound can't necessarily see, like calcifications. Um, and you compare baseline mammograms every year. So we always want you to, to get that. But if you're dense, we then want you to consider adding on an ultrasound to your mammogram because ultrasound can see through density because it's look, it's sound wave right. as opposed to radiation trying to penetrate breast tissue. So the combination of two is useful. Okay. So if you're not sure, what I would say is ideally your ladder you're receiving from your radiology group will say you are dense or you are not dense. So it's clear for you. If you are dense, usually they're then suggesting you consider ultrasound. And if you're not entirely sure, you can always double check with your provider who wrote the prescription 
to get their take on whether or not they think you're you're dense. Right. So those people who get that report recommend additional views because I remember when I was in doing that, people would panic right away. If you have dense breasts, it's probably something that they might do just to be sure. Right. Sometimes, you know, for for sure, if you have a problem seeing on that screening mammogram, we want additional views. But right. if you're just dense, we don't necessarily need more views with a mammogram. We want more views with an ultrasound. Gotcha. You know, more a screening ultrasound. Right. And a lot of this is tricky. You know, patients wonder, will my insurance cover it? And they're again, this is really over the last couple of years that this has changed. And okay. so, you know, you can always again ask your radiology facility or your provider okay. to clarify those points for you. That makes sense. Um, another question I want to ask you: um, What are signs of breast cancer? So, people who are listening, are there any signs besides a mammogram? To you find know, that. There are. There can be. Ideally, if a woman develops breast cancer, which we don't want to happen, but I, if she does, ideally, we're seeing it on imaging, which is why I'm such a supporter of annual mammogram, because the earlier you find the problem, the more treatment options you have. Um, earlier stage breast cancers do better than later stage breast cancers. So now if for some reason the screening mammogram did not catch it, or you're between mammograms, or you've never had one, and you're examining yourself, you may feel a lump that feels hard, like a marble or firm. So so feeling a breast problem may be the sign that there's something going on. Most women who are feeling a breast lump, if I take all women, you know, all age groups, probably don't have a breast cancer. You know, I mean, some women will, and some age groups will be at higher risk. You know, the older we are, the more risk we have for developing a breast cancer. And so a lump and a, a new lump in a 75-year-old would, would worry me much more than a new lump in a 25-year-old. Right. So, um, but I don't want you to feel that if you feel a lump, it has to be breast cancer. If you feel a lump, you need to get it evaluated, is what I would say, to see can we discriminate what the problem is with imaging. Okay. And the best way to do a breast exam, I, like again, being a guy, but I hear things uh, in the shower. Is that still the way they did? I mean, you know years what? ago, they said when your hands are wet. It's easy. It you is. know, okay. it's, you're there and... Um, the soapy hand gliding over the smooth surface of the skin. It's nice. You're able to nicely pick up a problem. But, you know, we we usually recommend sitting up and lying down, examining the breast in both those positions. You could start at the outer aspect of the breast and then, you know, circle in towards the center. Or you can start the center and circle outwards towards you know the outer periphery of the breast. You always want to make sure to check underneath the nipple uh, and in your underarm because the breast tissue goes right into the underarm of the breast. um, And so that's an easy spot to miss. You know, other signs of breast cancer might be a woman has bloody nipple discharge. Um, That doesn't mean you have breast cancer. I will tell you that most women with bloody nipple discharge actually have a benign process um, called papilloma. But it could be a sign of a problem. So there's not one specific sign, but what I'll tell you is that if you have anything going on and it doesn't seem quite right, go see your doctor. Right. I have women all the time who say to me, something didn't seem right. And then they got to evaluate it and then sometimes they have a breast cancer. Right. Breast pain can be a sign of breast cancer. I'll tell you that most of the time women with breast pain don't have breast cancer. So it is reassuring in some ways for a woman to say she has breast pain. We don't want you to hurt, but... You know, secretly, your doctor is thinking, okay, great. You know, hopefully, it's not breast cancer because most breast cancers don't hurt. Right. Some can, though. So, you know, don't be fooled thinking breast pain cannot be breast cancer, but normally it's not. Okay. Um, in closing of the show, I always ask all my guests to give my listeners a takeaway message. So, what would your takeaway message be for our listeners about breast cancer? 
No, I tell you, my takeaway is that most women will do well and most women are going to be survivors. Yes, we have the smaller group of women who may not do well, but overall we've come so far at breast cancer treatments and we are we're really great at treating breast cancer. So, you know, just know that if that's your story or someone that you know, that most of the time she's going to do great and there are great health professionals out there to help you and, and you're never walking through it alone. Well, I'm going to thank you, Dr. Michelle Azu. Again, she's the director of breast surgery at Tilton Hospital in Pompton Plains. Uh, they are part of Atlantic Health System. To reach her office, it's 973-831-5056. Again, it's 973-831-5056. Again, this show is brought to you by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist, ANS. We are located right here in Morristown with six offices throughout the state. Our main number is 973-285-7800. And remember, at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist Surgery, is always the last option. Have a wonderful Sunday, and I'll talk to you next week. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.